You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. How is everyone this wonderful Tuesday? It's been a couple Tuesdays, but we got our old buddy back, Sage Rosenfels. Sage, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, that was a, a very fun weekend of football, NFL football, and some close ball games and uh, low scoring games, much more low yeah. scoring than the season average. And, and uh, does sh- sort of show that, you know, there's the high flying offenses of, of September and October. But then when it comes to, you know, December, January football, you know, defense seems to you know, be the more important factor. And, and uh, you know, teams played really – the really good defensive, you know, teams played really well uh, this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to get to some things we saw in the NFL level. Um, but before we do, I just want to let you know, first of all, we're brought to you by my bookie. I wanted to mention also that the Locked On Network is booming right now. But one thing they're really getting involved in is all these smart speakers, you know, like Alexa and things like that, play Locked On NFL. So it's something I urge you to really do and get involved in. But before we talk NFL, we're going to talk about that game last night. National Championship game. I don't think anyone saw Alabama really getting blown out by Clemson. I mean, a really eye-opening game. But I want to focus on the two quarterbacks with you, Sage. I mean, young guys. I mean, I'm hearing people saying, of course, neither one is going to be in this draft class. But I've heard heard some draft experts that I trust saying, Tua from Bama, a year from now, could be the first overall pick. And Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, two years, you know, the year after that, absolutely looks like a first-round pick. It's not the first overall pick. Yeah, yeah, they both look like you know really good players. They're very different, uh, you know, though. And and uh, I look at Tua as a guy, and and I've talked about in the show multiple times, you know, decision making and accuracy. And he is a very accurate quarterback, and usually he's a very good decision maker. He's got great anticipation. He sees coverage as well. Uh, he moves safeties and defenses pretty well. Uh, he he had some obviously some big mistakes last night. I tell you that first interception. I'm. I'm sitting at a sports bar down the street watching that game last night, talking to a buddy, and I see that happen, and I go, well, that was a strong dog with a two-trap defense behind it. And he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know. Um, but what really what happened on that play, and, and I'll diagnose it real quick, is, Please, yeah. is a team brought the uh, – Clemson brought a what they call a strong side blitz or a strong dog. Dogs usually mean linebackers. Blitzes usually mean safety, so they brought a – a strong dog to that side. Now, more often than not, it's usually some sort of cover three behind us, some sort of soft corner uh, or some sort of man-to-man where that corner's you know running with the wide receiver and he's not sitting there. But in this individual, this sort of unique uh, style coverage, they, they played two trap over the top. And there's a cover two aspect to it, which is a hard corner, a safety over top deep. But there's also the trap aspect, and the trap is that corner will look inside and look to break on some sort of hot route. And, and the quarterback was hot on that play. You usually have a, a hot answer, uh, you know, in every sort of pass play. If they bring more than we can throw, where am I going to go with the football? Well, on that play, it was the flat route, and that's a very common uh, hot route. And the problem is the hot route was right into a, a two-trap corner. Uh, which ended up being a you know, pretty easy pick six. So, you know, I'm not going to fault Tua for, for being a bad decision maker all year because of that play and, and the interception a little bit later. Uh, he made great decisions for the most part. 
and, and I think he'd be an interesting pro prospect. He does not have a huge arm. He's got a good arm. He does not have a huge arm, but he seems like he's extremely accurate. He moves around the pocket. His touchdown interception ratio and his, his uh, completion percentage stuff, you know, that is off the charts. Obviously, he's dealing with a, a very you know, talented and sort of loaded roster, but he's playing against you know, good defenses in the, uh, in the SEC. So I like Tua as a pro prospect. I'm not sure how high uh, you know, people have him, uh, if they see him as a first overall pick or not, but I, I do see him as a pro quarterback. On the other side, Trevor. Let me let me stop you one quick. I oh, just got go one ahead. one quick Tua question for you. You diagnosed that first interception really really well, and I'm just curious if you were a scout, how much would you ding a what a 20 year old quarterback for throwing into a coverage that sort of trapped him? I mean, it, it seems like it's a, a a play that you could excuse away. Like, boy, that was just a a really. You know, give the defense credit as opposed to making it a real negative for him. Yeah, it's exactly right. You can make a decision uh, uh, whether you want to blame an offensive player. Say, uh, you know, Brian Greasy one time said that to me in, in broadcasting college football games. You can decide to say that the quarterback had a terrible throw, or you can say, man, that defender made a really good play. Uh, and on this situation, you'd probably say that was a great coverage and a great scheme by mm-hmm. defensive coordinator Brent Venerables, and the corner made a nice play. And by the way, the throw was off, and he doesn't miss very often, but the throw was behind uh, you know, his hot wide receiver. So, yeah, you, you, you give him a deduction, but you know, listen, it's college football. You go off of the entire season's worth of work, not just one play. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get to Lawrence. I mean, this guy, I didn't realize this till the broadcast last night. And unfortunately, I don't watch as much college as I'd like, but he was the starting quarterback on his high school team when he was 14. I mean, that's two years older than my 12-year-old son who can't tie shoes and, and or chew gum. I mean, like, I can't imagine that. And and good at it. And now he's the starting quarterback on the as a true freshman on the national title game and wins it handily. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, and I, you know, listen, this kid was, was I, I think, like, you know, born to play quarterback. And, and I don't think we're going to see – I don't think we've seen a pro prospect, uh, you know, look as, as much like a, you know, a guarantee – uh, you know, first overall pick probably since Andrew Luck, and before that maybe Peyton Manning. I mean, he has that type of uh, you know buzz about him right now. And the mm-hmm. guy that he's got a million reps. I mean, that's huge. You know, for me personally, I was the backup quarterback my junior year until about week four uh, of high school, and then uh, started from there after. And obviously, my senior year. You know, some guys just get their senior year. He's had a million reps and played a million uh, you know ball games, and and uh, and, and you know I. I I remember watching the Clemson spring game sometime in the spring or last summer. And I saw this true freshman kid who had enrolled early and man, he looked pretty good. Uh, he's also, he's six, six, he's skinnier right now. He hasn't even had a real, you know, college, uh, you know, real full off season of, of lifting weights and, and all that physical maturity that happens when you're, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. So, you know, I bet he puts on another 10 pounds this off season. But the way he moves, he's a really good athlete, sort of a sneaky good athlete, you know, as well. Uh, and, uh, and obviously, he's a, he's a very accurate quarterback, made a lot of really good decisions last night. Not a lot surprises him. He really plays free. He doesn't play nervous, which is incredible to me as a 19-year-old kid in that situation. Really p- plays free, and, and uh, you know, that probably is a lot of credit to just his, his natural mentality. Maybe his parents, how they... Uh, you know, they reassured him at home to not play nervous and, and live life that way or whatever. But 
Uh, he has sort of unlimited potential. He throws a beautiful football, quick release. I love the way he stays on his back foot so he doesn't have to follow through and come through all the time. He threw a lot of balls last night, as I always say, sort of out of a, uh, out of a telephone booth because that, uh, that Alabama pressure up the middle, whether it's linebackers or D linemen, were sort of in his face, and yet he didn't have to follow through too much and still got a lot of juice on the ball and made some great throws. So I was really, really impressed with him. He is going to be a lot of fun to watch the next two years, and I'm sure, I would assume, would be the first pick in the draft uh, in, uh, what would that, 2021? I think it's 21, yeah. I don't want to... 2021, and, and uh, you know, shoot, we, uh, probably the 2020 NFL season, uh, they'll be talking about, you know, suck for Lawrence or suck <laughs> right. for Trevor, like suck for Luck. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. He sure looks like it, and, and kind of like you alluded to, I mean, imagine what he's going to look like if you and I are sitting here having this conversation in 2021 after two more full seasons, postseasons, weight rooms and off seasons, he may be 20 pounds heavier and light years more advanced mentally. Yeah. And, and that, at that point they could probably put a little more on his shoulders. It's mm-hmm. nice to be able to do that when you're, you know, the, the more you can say to your quarterback, it's sort of your game plan and you can audible if you want to. And, and we've talked about all these coverages and blitzes, and you see something, you can go to it. The more they can put, sort of put that on his plate, the better he'll be prepared for the NFL season. If they continue to run you know, this sort of college type offense, which Clemson does, and they're absolutely great at it, but if they can you know, do a little more pro-style stuff, allow him to audible, allow him to change plays, man, that would be huge in his development. So you know, it's interesting that the quarterback for Georgia last year played in the championship game I believe he was also a true freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, played really it was a, uh, Jake, Jake Fromm, Fromm right. Jake Fromm. So an, an, you know, another true freshman. I thought he'll be. I think he'll be an NFL quarterback as well. Very impressive the way he played. Uh, you know, last year. And uh, you know, interesting by the way, the state of Georgia, the state of Georgia, really pumping out some big time quarterbacks right now. That is, you know, maybe the you know, we always talk. We always talk about Texas and, and Florida and California as these huge recruiting states. The state of Georgia per capita, I think, puts out the you know, sort of the most superstars. It is a football-heavy state, and all the SEC, ACC schools try to go into to Georgia. And, and uh, you know, Deshaun Watson's from there. Mm-hmm. I believe Fromm's from there. And, and obviously, you know, this kid, Trevor Lawrence, is, is from Cartersville, Georgia, as well. So, you know, they, they are they're teaching and, and developing football at a different level in that state. Yeah, I'm really excited to watch this kid, you know, the next couple of years. And he's got young, really talented receivers to throw to. I mentioned that we are brought to you by my bookie. I'm going to tell you about them here in in a minute. And then we're actually, I'm going to, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take a little break, tell you about my bookie. And then we're going to come back and Sage and I are going to talk about Trubisky and the Vikings. Those are two of our usual topics. He hasn't been on for a couple of weeks. So I want to wrap those two things up because both their seasons have ended. And then we'll finish up the show with more quarterback talk. But like I said, we are brought to you by MyBookie, and the NFL playoffs are here, and it's time to get in, in on the action at MyBookie. Don't be the guy with no rooting interest as your relatives or friends sit around watching the games. Not this year when the 53rd Super Bowl is right around the corner. So it's really the most wonderful time of the year. This upcoming week's going to be dynamite, too. Make sure you're ready for the daily action by signing up at MyBookie today. They pay fast when you win. Ownership really cares about good customer service, and they offer the craziest props. Where you bet is just as important on who you're betting on. And if you don't want to make money during bull season, you got to go to my... I'm sorry, if you do want to make money during bull season, you got to go to my bookie, of course. 
I trust them, as I've told you so many times. But you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out for yourself. Join now, and my bookie will offer you a 50% deposit bonus to make sure you have a nice bankroll for the bowl season. That's free money, guys, you know. Use our promo code LOCKEDON25, LOCKEDON25, all one word, when you deposit to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON25. So, at my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, I mentioned two familiar subjects I wanted to talk about on this segment. The Vikings did not make the playoffs. I know Sage is dialed in with that team. And you kind of called this right, you know, eight weeks ago or so that you kind of thought it was a flawed team, maybe a little bit nationally overrated. Clearly, there's offensive line concerns, and I think that's got to be priority number one. And I think some of that goes back to, you know, tragically losing their offensive line coach in the preseason. And not to mention, they just don't have very talented players there. And Kirk Cousins has taken a lot of heat as a result because of the contract he signed. Yeah, there, there's a lot uh, to digest with the Vikings this past year. You know, high hopes. They won 14 games the previous year, 13 regular season games made to the NFC Championship before being blown out by the Philadelphia Eagles who won the Super Bowl. So, you know, going into this year, man, a lot of excitement. Went out, got Kirk Cousins. He was the best quarterback on the market paid a, a king's ransom to get him $28 million a year guaranteed over the course of three years. And then as the season progresses, they just can't quite get over the hump. Just sort of bouncing around 500 the whole time. It doesn't seem they, they would get that big win at the right moment and, and end the season 8-7-1 and one and out of the playoffs and, and had to win that last game at home, which they usually play well at home against the Bears. And, and they couldn't get that done. So, you know, the Vikings, uh, they did not have an identity this year. Uh, I should say this. They did not have an identity that was an identity that helps them win football games this year. <laughs> right. You um, can have an identity. Right? They had but... an identity. It was throw the football offensively and then, you know, you know, try to play good defense. And that's, you know, not, not always a great balance. And, and, you know, putting up a lot of yards doesn't mean you're putting up a lot of wins. And, and with John D. Filippo, their offensive coordinator who got fired, uh, after about week 13, uh, his his mentality, throw the football, throw the football, throw the football. And in 28, or, I'm sorry, 2017, they were uh, a you know, top five rushing team, 28 team, bottom three rushing team. And that just does not flow well. Uh, it's sort of water and oil uh, when we were trying to have that Mike Zimmer style of defense and, and the way they play defensively. You have to have a, you know, a complimentary style offense. And and playing high-scoring shootouts was not going to be the way to go. So on top of it, Kirk Cousins is just not a quarterback, that, to be honest with you, that you want throwing the ball 40, 45 times a game. Uh, you know, he does not make the line better than they are. You know, he's not a guy who can scramble like Deshaun Watson or, or uh, you know, Andrew Luck or Pat Mahomes and buy time. He is a pure pocket passer and doesn't even really have great pocket awareness so you want to get the ball out of his hands you want to go play action you want to go uh you know bootleg and get him out of the pocket you don't want him standing in that pocket holding on to the football trying to you know wait for something to happen you also again you want to run the football that is key and they were throwing the football on shotgun on first down time and time again uh which is crazy to me because they have dalvin cook who's an explosive player on offense so they just had a really bad you know sort of a you know, sort of recipe uh, to win this year, they had a bad identity offensively for you know for the majority of the season, and you know they they end up hiring Kevin Stefanski 
uh, the quarterback's coach to be the coordinator the last three weeks. He went 2-1 and one as a starter, and I'm not sure if he's going to be back. Uh, I, I think they would actually like him to be the coordinator, uh, but sounds like to me he might move on uh, to somewhere else, and maybe that's just him wanting to you know, get, get out of that situation, go to a new situation. Maybe he didn't you know, want to be with Cousins, didn't feel like Cousins was the guy mm-hmm. that would you know, make him someday become a head coach uh, because of his flaws. And so you know, that's where the Vikings stand. They have to work on that O-line. Yes, it's number one priority. I sort of think it's number two priority also. Uh, they they got to get some offensive linemen. They, they've re-signed the receivers to, to longer contract extensions. Uh, you know, Dalvin Cook is still fresh and young. They could probably use another uh, you know, uh, tight end who's a little more of a vertical threat. But that offensive lineman is going to be huge in free agency and the draft this offseason. And offensive line coach, that's going to be a huge, huge uh, signing for them. Yeah. Oh, very well said. Um, the thing is, that just to take it a step further, and I always look at things from a front office scouting GM perspective, is, and DiFilippo gets the axe for this, and we do have to mention Dalvin Cook wasn't healthy for much of the year. I think he's a great player. But if you're going to sign Kirk Cousins, like you said, you got to know that he's not a 40-50 attempt type of guy. And we saw it even in Washington. I mean, when Trent Williams and that his line was healthy and he had time and somewhat of a running game, he was highly effective. But even, you know, this past, his last year in Washington, a lot of O-line injuries. He gets back to forcing things, turning the ball over as he did early in his career. So... You know, I blame, you know, the coaches always get the heat. The quarterback gets the heat. But the front office needs to know who they're signing, too. And if you're signing this guy, you better have him protected. That's right. And, uh, you know, a quarterback is, is only really as good as his offensive line a lot of times. And, and you know, this Vikings line was, was a challenge all year. Uh, you know, they lost a, a, a guy named Berger to, to retirement mm-hmm. last year. Joe, Ber- Joe Berger to retirement and, and you know, just couldn't quite replace him and some other players. And, and you can draw up all the great concepts, passing game concepts you like. You know, we're going to beat this coverage. We're going to attack this. we got a touchdown here. But if you can't pass protect for more than two or three seconds, I mean, in that Bears uh, game in Week 17, Cousins came back and had a weak side slant on, you know, three-step drop, and he got hit as he threw the football literally on a three-step drop. Uh, so, you know, yeah, their line struggled a lot this year. And again, you have to sort of take out of the equation that Cousins is making that much money and actually go, how good is he? Let's, and, and listen, he's yeah, going to be there. That's money spent. Who cares anymore? You it's know, money right. spent, yeah. right? It's water on the bridge. And so it doesn't really matter if he's good or bad. Like that's, you know, we have to figure out who he is. It doesn't really matter how much money was spent. So he's going to be the quarterback the next two years. So it's not going to be like, well, how can we, he is sort of who he is. He had his run in Washington it didn't really change much when he got to Minnesota. The question is, how can the Vikings win with him as their quarterback the next two years? Because that is not going to change. Right. I mean, I feel like they might have to let Anthony Barr go or Richardson or some of these other free agents and dedicate their offseason and those resources to making Cousins' life easier. I mean, should have done that when you signed him. I mean, again, it, and, and, it, go ahead. And maybe, maybe even Xavier Rhodes. You know, Xavier yeah, right. Rhodes is a very high-priced corner. He's a very good corner. Did not have the year... Uh, that he had in the past, uh, has had in the past. So, you know, there might be sort of just restructuring in general uh, on that roster. There might be, uh, you know, as you said, Anthony Barr may not be able to re-sign because they got to spend some money on the offensive line. And anytime, as you know, anytime you spend money in free agency, you generally overpay on those mm-hmm. first few days when you're looking for the premier players. So, uh, you know, Anthony Barr may not be able to be re-signed. And you know, there might be a surprise uh, cut 
on this team to free up some money. And I sort of feel like Xavier Rhodes, that's, that's my opinion from watching all the Vikings games this year, that Xavier Rhodes is a guy who just doesn't seem, especially when they drafted Mike Hughes in the first round last year, just doesn't seem like a guy who, you know, whatever he makes, you know, 14, 15 million dollars a year. I'm not sure if he's worth that big price tag. Yeah, he didn't have that kind of year, that's for sure. Um, again, we're going to take a real quick break, and we're going to finish up the show with some quarterback talk, leading off with summing up Mitch Trubisky's uh, you know, uh, year. Unfortunately, they're out of it. So we will be back in a moment. All right, I mentioned we were going to talk Trubisky, and this is something Sage has really dedicated himself to this season. They're out of it. We saw how they lost that game. That was crazy. I had the Locked On Eagles host on Sunday night. And we don't really need to discuss the game all that much, but I do just want to get your thoughts on where's Trubisky at after this season. I think it's more promising than negative, to be very honest. And I think he's making progress. Oh, it's very promising. Yeah. And he does a lot of good things. He's a tremendous athlete, and he's got a really strong arm. Uh, the thing that I kept seeing over and over this year with Trubisky is that he would take that extra either full hitch or just sort of a reset to sort of see the guy open before he'd let it go. And in the NFL game, in the NFL world, defenses are so good and the windows are so small and the timing uh, has to be so perfect that you take that extra half hitch or whatever and you're late. The corner jumps on it. The safety closes. Uh, in that game the other day, Allen Robinson was out of bounds two times uh, because he took an extra hitch instead of just letting it go. Or timing is, is huge. So that'd be, and I, listen, and I don't like to, you know, harp on a quarterback and try to turn them into a robot where everything has to be absolutely perfect all the time and one hitch here and two hitch here and, and then your check down. But that is something I think that he could benefit from is a lot more structure with his footwork and how that times out with his progressions. And, and unlike how we were talking at the beginning of the show about like a Trevor Lawrence, he didn't play that much in, in, in North Carolina. I mean, he really doesn't have that many starts at the college and NFL level under his belt. So things like that should only improve. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and uh, you know, people that study North Carolina where he went to school, uh, they would say, man, they ran a very college offense in the sense of they're just there were not professional style uh, pass concepts and pro style reads. And so when he got to the Bears the rookie two years ago, it was an entire new ball game. And I understand that because I've, I had some of that myself. You know, the advanced aspects of pass protection and, and, you know, where the line slides and all those types of things, all the things NFL defenses do. It's such a more complicated game. And, yeah, as you said, Trevor Lawrence may have been, uh, you know, he might be more prepared almost for the NFL game than Trubisky was after his first year. So, mm -hmm. plus this is now two offenses in two years. Did a lot of good things this year. Uh, I'm sure this offseason would be big for Mitchell Trubisky's development. And, and again, you know, they, they do so many things laterally with, jet sweeps and wide receiver screens and they have all those little playmakers uh, i was asked this morning on on 670 the score in chicago what is one aspect of their offense that they could probably add to it to make them a more potent offense and a more high scoring offense i said you know a big wide receiver like my guy hakeem, hakeem butler from iowa state uh, you know six foot six they could use one of those huge red zone threats you just throw the ball up to them and they can go and get it they don't really have that they got a lot of Quicker, small guys. Miller, number 17. you got Taylor Gabriel, number 18. Both really small, quick guys. Allen Robinson does have some size, but they could probably use another big body at wide receiver to allow Trubisky just to uh, have those one-on-one -on -one matchups on the outside that can win. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I like that thought. 
Um, and even Burton is starting to kind of get phased out, and he's been injured a little bit too, and they could use a, a longer type guy because he isn't the most accurate passer. Um, I have to bring up Nick Foles, his counterpart in this game. And I don't know that I've given my audience my thoughts on him in a while, but here's my overall thoughts on Foles. Is, first of all, I was on the radio yesterday, and somebody that I respect a lot asked me, should the Eagles franchise Foles and trade Wentz and be better off? And I just kind of screamed back, no, no. I mean, I respect Foles. I think his teammates play very hard for him. I think he's tough. I think he's accurate. I think him and Peterson have a great thing going and against a team like the Bears that rushes the passer so well, maybe he would even be been the better option than Wentz because he got it out so quick. But I still think he might be the most inconsistent quarterback I've ever seen week to week. And when he's hot, as we've seen in some playoff games, he's unbelievable. But don't forget how he started the season in some of the stinker games. And even this game, he wasn't great. And... I don't exactly believe that he has postseason magic, that he has a certain fairy sprinkled, you know, dust that he sprinkles that just to win games. Um, I like him a fair amount. I think he's one of the top 32 quarterbacks in the league. But to consider him over a superstar, in my opinion, like Wentz, or to trust him for 16 games and hopefully a couple playoff games, I think you're going to be disappointed too often. Well, yeah, this is a really it's a really interesting conversation to have the the Wentz versus Foles, you know, sort of arguments. And listen, if the Bears make that field goal, this conversation is a no brainer. Going <laughs> right, Carson West, right, right. right? That's that's how that's how sort of crazy is. We're talking about a few inches here, and you know, now we're talking about you know hundred million dollar plus quarterback decision this offseason. So you know, Foles is one of those guys that he just plays so loose that he can get really, really hot. When everyone else tightens up in the playoffs and, and you know, gets a little bit more nervous and the games just are so tight and so close and, and every third down is important, Foles plays so loose. And, and you know, most of that has been good, uh, been very, very good. He's played so well in the playoffs. And, and you know, the, the, the worry is if, let's just say, they decide to trade Carson Wentz to another team. You know what? Foles got us to a championship game or Foles – Gas for another Super Bowl or Foles won us another Super Bowl. We got to move on from Carson Wentz. And the concern is whatever you get from Wentz, they'll probably like two first rounders. I, I maybe think. more. Maybe, maybe more for Wentz. But the, the concern is does Foles sort of go back to being mediocre? You know, maybe he's just one of those guys that's not a 16 game starter. Right. But, you know, you focus in for six or eight weeks and he can really light it up. Uh, he's again, he just sort of plays free and, and without a lot of concern and, and it's really worked out for him well. So obviously I, I think he's a, you know, underrated quarterback. Uh, but if you look at total value and, and total value for the next 10 plus years, uh, I, I think Carson Wentz is the guy, but you know, the issue with him is he has been hurt, you know, the last two right. years, he has been, been hurt a lot and, and your, you know, your best ability is your availability and, and he hasn't been on the field when it's become the most important time of the year. And you can say a lot of things about Tony Romo. He didn't miss a lot of football games with the Dallas Cowboys. He played with broken ribs and, 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 and you know, found ways to escape in that pocket and, and, and play all 16 games nearly every single year. So uh, you know, that is a, that's one thing Wentz uh, has struggled with his first couple of years in the NFL is his availability. So you know, they both have knocks on him. Uh, I just cannot imagine unless, again, unless the, the, the Eagles get to the Super Bowl or win another Super Bowl, 
that uh, that they'll move on from uh, the Carson Wentz. I just can't imagine that. No, me neither. And I, I last after the Super Bowl, I was saying trade Foles while you still can. If you can move him for an early second or a late first, do it while he's hot. And I guess it's a good thing they didn't. You know, they don't probably win this game without him. Um, but I do think he's going to get probably more than he deserves on the open market. And I, I do worry a little bit about Wentz's availability after the you know two seasons. He plays hard. Backs scare me. You look at a guy like Phillip Rivers who plays you know with a torn ACL in the playoffs, or Eli Manning who never misses a game and probably have many more injuries than we realized. But I don't. I do think Wentz is very much on the the path to superstardom and will be one of the greatest of this generation. You know, one thing uh, that Wentz could probably learn from Foles, and it, it sounds crazy, but uh, and I saw it last night with Trevor Lawrence in that championship game. It, it, throwing off your back foot sometimes is actually the right thing to do. You know, sort of yeah. falling away a little bit. If you've got the arm strength, it keeps you healthy. And, you know, Eli Manning's been doing it forever. You see him sort of falling away in the pocket. It's not always a great idea, but sometimes you sort of have to do it. Uh, Favre would throw and run out of the pocket, uh, out of the back of the pocket, it seemed like. Uh, you, you see Foles do it time and time again. You said, said you saw Trevor Lawrence do it. Uh, some last night. Carson Wentz is one of those guys. He's such a sort of a technician, a little bit of a robot. He really likes to have sort of perfect footwork, really step into the throws. That's how you see that strong arm and you see that accuracy. But that also means you're sort of stepping in to that pressure that's coming up the middle uh, from those pass rushers. And so there are times where maybe he could learn to, you know, maybe add that to his repertoire uh, of throwing sometimes off his back foot. And again, it's like, it's like bad teaching. But I tell you what, the pocket in the NFL, it's not always perfect, Marf, and it's not perfect. You have to be a little bit creative. And uh, sometimes if you're almost or over-drilled to be perfect all the time, the game's not played perfect. He could probably add a few uh, uh, you know, uh, back foot throws to his repertoire. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a, you know, a good way of avoiding hits, and he has the arm strength to pull it off. Um, Sage, that's a wrap for today. This was really fun. It went quick. Let's do it again next Tuesday if that works for you, and we'll talk more quarterbacks. And we got some great games coming up too. Yeah, four great games this weekend. Uh, you know, Colts at the Chiefs. I like the Colts in that game. I do they've too. been hotter. The Chiefs have been actually. I, I you just the, the Chiefs playing the home in the playoffs just feels like they're going to lose, right? That's just like going back <laughs> right. to the Marty Schottenheimer days. Um, I, I like the Rams beating the Cowboys. Shoot, I sort of like the Chargers beating the Patriots, especially if the especially if the weather's decent. But the weather's bad. I like the Patriots in that game, uh, and this, I do like the Saints at home versus the Eagles. Uh, you know, the Saints blew them out earlier. Again, the Saints won by I think it was forty-eight to seven earlier in the year against the Eagles at home. Now we got a rematch, different quarterback for the Eagles. So if, if somehow Philadelphia can win this football game, that Wentz Foles conversation oh boy. gets even gets even stronger. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, folks, that is a wrap. I will be back tomorrow with Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. Over and out.